unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. I always like that part. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is time for the Raw and Unscripted Show with yours truly, Christopher Roush, the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. What's going on, boys and girls, whether you're watching us live or on the replay here on the video cast or you are listening to us on the podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Put it on your calendar because I assure you every single week, whether it's just myself on a solo show or I'm bringing on a guest, my intention every single week is to provide both of us some clarity and opportunity for some inspiration for a different way of looking at our, our current situation so that we can have an amazing life. Um, we all go through trials and tribulations. So the thing that I offer to you the most here is opportunities for changing your perspective about your past, present, and your future to, in order to have that different uh, situation that you might be looking at things to be able to say, hey, wow, I can do this now. And that's what we're gonna be doing here on the show tonight. I've got an amazing guest uh, coming up here for you just in a few short minutes. We've already got some people in the house. What's up? Uh, I don't have my glasses on. Uh, Vanzi, Vanzi Boogie. What's up? He says, I'm here. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. We're going to be bringing on Kendall here in just a second. But first and foremost, um, just want to let you guys know, some people have been asking about these and I keep forgetting to market them. But um, yours truly, I guess I can just show them right here. But we still got our unstoppable uh, wristbands. We got unstoppable right there. And on the other side, we got no excuses. See if I can say that. So you guys are looking at no excuses. And then also I'll model this one on my arm. We've got, it says believe. And then the other side, it says no excuses. So we've got the wristbands. If you're interested in that, um, we'll be putting a link in the in the show notes for the store, for the kick-ass store. You can go check that out. And then also I've got another exciting uh, announcement. This is the first place I am announcing this for you guys listening to the podcast, listening, watching the show. Starting in April, this is by popular demand. I'm going to be opening up a mastermind. It's going to be a very, very, very affordable mastermind. It's going to be something where we're going to meet once a month for 90 minutes and we're going to have hot seats and topics of the month. So if you're interested in getting the first pick on that, I'm only going to probably do about 20 people at the most. I think I want to keep it small and intimate, but allow enough people in there to have a great conversation. If you're interested in doing that with me, please send me an email at Christopher at Christopher or you can do info at no excuses coach.com, or you can type here in the comments, say, Chris, I want a part of that. I'm going to keep it very super limited to the people who want to take advantage of that offer early on. So we're going to be starting at some time in the first week of April. So it's going to be a mastermind. It's going to be super, super affordable. If it's something you want to work with me on that type of basis, you want to be held accountable. Let me know on that. And uh, just let me know you heard it here on the Ron and scripted show, and I will personally take care of you. So um, with that, one more thing I just want to get out of the way and just let you guys know. You guys know I'm on the board of directors for Help Heal Humanity. It's helphealhumanity.org. It's a phenomenal organization. The founder and the president, Serena Buffalino, is an extraordinary human being. She has built schools in Haiti in some of the toughest parts of Haiti. Um, we have fed the homeless in uh, Canada, and we continue to do things here in the United States. Help Heal Humanity is, is, a, is a truly exemplary, exemplary organization because nobody takes a paycheck. When you think about nonprofit organizations, you sometimes wonder when you're making a donation, does all that money really go to the thing that I'm donating for? Or does some of that go to line the pockets of the people who have 16 houses and you know 25 cars? No, here at helphealhumanity.org, nobody takes a paycheck. I volunteer my time. I've been doing this for three years now, just out of the goodness of my heart, because together we can help heal humanity. So when you get value out of this particular episode, whether it's five bucks, 25 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is that you can do to support the organization to say thank you for this particular episode. We don't charge any fees. We don't have any advertisers. I do this just straight out of the goodness of my heart because together we can make a difference in this world by sharing our, our experiences, our vulnerabilities and our strengths with one another to lift one another up. So that's why I joined Help Heal Humanity. So go there and make a donation. If you want to have a little extra carrot in that donation pile, um, if you donate $200 or more, you get an hour of my coaching time for free free. So not only do you get a tax deductible donation, but you can have an hour of my coaching time, which is a discounted rate for 200 bucks. Um, an hour with me to talk about anything you want, get yourself set up for a kick-ass 2023 an unstoppable 2023. So I put that on the table for you as well. Sometimes you guys take me up on that and you send me a screenshot saying you made a $200 donation. You get an hour of my time and you get to help an amazing organization and you get to pay it forward. So thank you guys for entertaining me on that. And with that, I'm going to be bringing on our guest, um, we got, we got, uh, we got some people in the house that are pinging some people. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm trying to see, is that Vanzi or Vonzi? I want to make sure I get your name right. 
Vonzi. Hey, Vonzi, thank you so much. Vonzi Boogie, man, that's a kick-ass name. Thank you for being here and pinging some people in the room. So my guest tonight is Kendall Myers, a Kendall Mr. Overcomer Myers. And uh, I had the pleasure of getting to know Kendall just a little bit. We were both joining forces to help uh, the Hurricane Ian victims uh, down in Florida recently. So we we're doing a telethon to raise money for the individuals down there so we could help them out with their expenses. And he and I were both the motivational speakers, if you will, as part of the telethon. And I just heard what he was talking about and heard his story and said, he's got to be on my show. He's got to be on the Ron and Scripted show. We had a quick chat. And now I'm I'm eager to welcome to the Ron and Scripted Show, Mr. Kendall Myers, Mr. Overcomer. What's going on, man? How are you doing this evening? Welcome to the show. Blessed and highly favored, man, because I'm alive. I'm alive hell, today. Hell yeah. That's what I tell people. People say, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm on the side of the ground. What do you expect? You know, I'm all good. You know, you got to have that positive mindset, right? Sure. Like it says right behind you, it's time to step up. It's time to step up, ladies and gentlemen. Prepared to get prepared to get inspired tonight because me and Kendall here are going to rock the airwaves. So thank you, brother, for being here. Thank you for being who you are. And I just want to get right into it. You call yourself Mr. Overcomer. What is the what is the story behind that? What type of situations in your life have you had to overcome? And and how did you get that name? Definitely. So I've been in the personal development space for about two years. And I started off directly motivational speaker, empowerment speaker, however you want to put it. And I wanted a persona about myself. I wanted to be somebody that really stood out and what and what I stood for. So Mr. Overcomer truly came from always persevering at a young age and always being a leader in my own way, you know, um, being neutral, being engaging. And never being too big headed, but also and 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 what I say with Mr. Overcomer, I say every mountain that I come across, I get over, and I also show people the path across the mountain. And that comes from the things that I actually use to get out of situations. I'm here to teach people how to get out of situations as well. Nice. Nice. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I've got a friend of mine. He calls himself Mr. Awesome. I call myself the no excuses coach. It's something that I came up with probably about three or four years ago. Somebody was saying like, you know, what, what is it? What is the reason why you're still here today? Cause I've been through a hell of a story. I was homeless for four years when I was a kid. I tried to kill myself twice. Fortunately, I sucked at it. I had a gun put to my head because the guy thought I was racist over a pack of cigarettes and so on. And so on the story goes, I'm actually in the process of writing my memoir. There's a little cover of the book. It's called, it's just you and me kid. The story of a mother and son's survival on the streets of California. So uh, I became the no excuses coach because I don't take any excuses for myself and I'm completely and totally unstoppable. Tell us about a low point in your life. Tell us about a time in your life where things were down, things were really challenging, where you had to apply that Mr. Overcomer mindset to, to get out of that situation. Definitely. The very first thing that I overcame was struggling to read three letter words all the way up to the age of 12. You wow. know, and, and I can't I can't make this up. It was a real struggle. It turned me to a major introvert. Um, it's it, it had me afraid of people, afraid of life. Um, didn't I was really sleepwalking at a young age and I didn't realize that until I got older, what that mean and what, what, what it did to me. But I had a supporting mother and actually shout out to my mom. She's actually Von Z Boogie. That's my mom. Oh, shout hey, mom. What's up? <laughs> shout out to her. Um, I'm grateful. I'm truly, truly grateful. Everybody is raised in different type of environments and have different type of parents. Um, I'm from originally St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia two years ago. And St. Louis, Missouri is definitely a rough place. And both of my parents actually grew up in rough environments, but they got out of the environments to make sure that kids didn't have to be in that type of environment. Beautiful. So that's kind of how I started. I know shout out, shout out to the supporting parents and the supporting moms and fathers. Definitely. That's beautiful. And yes. So she, she seen me struggle and both of my parents did. And it was just, I can, I look back and laugh at it now as I was struggling to read, you know, and trying to do my homework, how frustrated there was it not that they didn't give up or didn't see the light, you know, it's, when you really want to help somebody and they really see the struggle, it's really hard. And my mom told me one thing that I never forget. Let's hear she it. She said, son, you're very intelligent, but you just got to learn how to read. And once you do that, it's going to open up a whole new world. And she did what every sub supporting parent does. 
she seeked help. Uh, she got me a tutor. The tutor worked for me uh, two worked with me two years. You know all the basics: how to spell, how to sound out, how to place in sentences. You know, and in real, uh, really, she was supposed to be with me one year, and she seen I was still struggling. And my mom came to her like, "Hey, um, I really would like to see if you can." tutor for one more year and she said yeah i, I don't want to leave kendall hanging and next thing you know the year later we put on a they put on a um event it was it was a part of the ymca and they put on a banquet for all the kids that was in the program and we picked the book and that was my first time reading in front of people and that skyrocketed me that i didn't realize how much perseverance and and uh, determination that i was building next thing you know uh, my senior year of high school, from 12 to 18, I graduated with honors. Uh, vice president of my senior class, vice oh, yeah. president of the National Honor Society with a 3.4 GPA, and also accepted to 13 different colleges and universities. Wow, dude, that is amazing. Um, shout out to your mom. I mean, my mom and I had didn't have that kind of relationship. You know, I had a very adversarial relationship with my mom. I never knew my biological father. And subsequently, I was basically mentally and physically abused for most of my young adult life, whether it was by her or by the kids at school or by the kids on my block. And so I'm glad that you had that association with your mother. What 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 prompted you to want to get in the personal development state personal development space? I could tell you're, you're you're younger dude. You know a lot of young people don't know about personal development, personal growth. What inspired you to want to get in there and become a motivational speaker, become an author, and become a coach? So I always had an urge to help people, but I did not know how, what, when, where. You know all the whys. I really did not know. I when I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, four months within I was just working and I was networking just a little bit and I had a moment with myself like yo Kendall you came here to do way more than work and I did what every strong person does I prayed yeah. and what that did was it unleashed some of spirit said motivate so I got the listening to personal development leaders like Les Brown and who Les Brown Robbins. yes Who's Les Brown who is Les Brown the Who's greatest man? man on earth. He uh actually, so he's been around since the 50s. Uh yeah, since the 50s. Um, a motivational great. Um, he's one of the first people that really started motivational speaking. You mean that guy? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy. You, you think I know him? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. y'all got the matching bandanas. Y'all about to know each other. <laughs> oh no, he this this was something. I was actually spent three days with him at a speaker training conference here in, in Los Angeles, and he's always been a huge part of my life. You know, from, from when I was homeless, somebody gave me some cassette tapes. They were Tony Robbins cassette tapes, and I started getting hooked on personal development at a very early age, much like yourself. We're a lot alike. And so I started going to the library and checking out these, these tapes. And I came across Les Brown and started hearing, you know, Mrs. Mamie Brown's baby boy and, you know, talking about all these different things and DJing and all this other stuff. So when I got the opportunity to work with him in, in uh, here in Southern California, um, the first night of the speaker training, he had all had all of us get up on stage and kind of do 20 minutes to see where we were at and see what types of things he could give us points on. And so I get up there and I'm dressed like this. I've got my bandana on and my, you know, jeans and my wallet chains and stuff like that. And I'm, you know, not swearing, but I'm saying kick ass. And so he stops me and everybody gets 20 minutes. We're like 30 minutes into my speech. And he says, you know, so Mr. Mr. Kickass, he goes, do you swear in front of the kids? Because I mentor at-risk kids. And I said, yeah, I do. He's like, well, I don't agree with that. And, you know, I think we can, you know, be, we could be, you know, uh, positive role models without swearing. And I said, Les, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to them. And I'm not going to, I'm going to talk to them the way they talk to each other. You know, it's just part of, it's just for me. If it's not for you, it's not for you. So long story short, everybody in the place was dressed in suits and they were kissing his ass. And I was like, okay, it's Les Brown. You know, he's in the room. It's kind of cool. I'm not, I don't get star crazy. And so the last day of the training, um, he comes in the room and he goes, he goes, Hey, Mr. Kickass, you got one of those kerchiefs for me. And that's what he called my bandana. He called it a kerchief, like a handkerchief. And I said, sure, Les. And I always carry some in my back pocket, you know, just in case somebody's like, you know, being cool. I'll just, I'll wrap the bandana and I'll put it on their head. And I'll be like, okay, you're kick-ass, you know, kind of like christen them or something like that. Christopher them. And uh, he'd go, and so I go to hand it to him. I said, you want the red one? You want the black one? You want the blue one? He goes, oh, give me the blue one. Give me the blue one. And so I go to hand it to him. No shit, Kendall. I tell him, I'm not making this up. And I go to hand it to him. He goes, no, 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 fool. He goes, put it on me. And everybody in the room got stone silent because everybody was like, you know, why is, you know, Les is picking on this guy and everything else. So I put the bandana on him and we do, we do that shot. We do, I mean, I met him a few times that we did the, we did this shot. Um, I met him. Let's see. There's another one. 
here's another one I met. There's another one. Yeah. So me and him just kept taking pictures and it was pretty incredible. Uh, honestly, Kendall, because, uh, I thought, you know, he was going to sit there and try to convince me otherwise. And then he actually did. He actually took me out in the, in the, in the lobby of the gateway, the Sheridan gateway hotel. And he says, Chris, and I swear to God, I'm not making this up. We're standing right there. There was a, uh, stairs coming down and there was a light and there was a, there was a tree. I'll never forget it. He goes, Chris, you're an amazing speaker. I could put you on stages. We can travel the world. He goes, but I can't do this. And he kind of, you know, looks at me and he goes, I can't do this. You know, just put a suit and tie on. And I said, Les, I was that suit and tie guy, but it wasn't me. I couldn't, I didn't feel congruent. I didn't feel like myself. I said, so I feel like myself in this. And, uh, and he goes, well, I don't wear the suit all the time. I wear, I wear sweatpants. He goes, I'm always wearing sweatpants, but I put the suit on because that's what people want to see me in. And I was like, Les, I respect you to the end of the earth. I said, but I got to be me. And I didn't know if I was making the stupidest mistake of my life, but ultimately I've stuck with it and I got that chance to meet him. And uh, he's just been a, a phenomenal person. I run into people who know him and I tell him, always tell him, I said, tell Mr. Tell Mr. Brown. I said, Mr. Kickass says hi. So um, if you have a dream to meet him, just, just keep that in your heart because I have, I have all these dreams to meet people and I've met rock stars and actors and actresses. So keep, keep shining your light brother. Cause it'll happen for you. So I, I saw that you were, you were into Les Brown. So I brought that picture up for you. Actually, uh, my dreams came true. Uh, I got a chance to meet him and be a part of his speaking community. You did? Yes, oh, sir. dude, tell me about that. How was that? It was the greatest four months ever. Um, just he really he knows what he's doing. He really know how to guide you and help you craft your story. He really do. And the people that that loves him, like diehard fans, like that that really grew up like, like there was a brother and sister, like they was maybe bound baby boy and, and baby girl. And I got a chance to get to know him and, and know his, one of his sons and know like hundreds of people that was in the community. And they, we put on an event in New York and Queens. So I had the chance to meet him, shake his hand, uh, let him know how inspired I was by him. And also got a chance to network and, and this truly, I got a chance to see him um, two months ago at an event here. So it's been amazing. Just the the his his enthusiasm of life, his enthusiasm. He was truly that one person that I listened to the most. That his message registered with me so much. Just him really coming from the bottom, him really coming from nothing, and then with the times of the different segregations and everything going on, yeah. the times that he grew to be the great, you know, motivational partner that he is 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 just a staple of life. And um, a lot of people know him, but he still don't get enough credit. You know, like he he's definitely do. It, it should be a lot more people knowing him. All eight billion people, if I had to say so myself. <laughs> I, would, I would wholeheartedly agree. I, I talk to people all the time and I ask, I said, do you know who Les Brown is? And I'm always shocked, especially when adults don't know. I'm like, you don't know. who I mean, I, I said, you know, who Tony Robbins is right. And they go, yeah. And I said, well, Les Brown and Tony Robbins are like the two icons in my life. Listening to their cassette tapes and listening, um, you know, to Les and then ultimately meeting Les was just a, an absolute just a joy of mine. And he's such a beautiful person and he's real. He's totally real. Like behind the scenes, he's a real dude. You know, it's I, I heard recently that his cancers come back. He's beat cancer, I think, two or three times yeah. i think his cancers come back but i always hold out my prayers for him and he's just a just a wonderful human being and to your point yeah he lived through all the segregation and the stuff that you know that that fortunately we don't necessarily have to see today but we're still kind of seeing parts of that i want to talk to you yeah. about that in a little bit um but talk to me about who else you know in your life has inspired you and tell us maybe maybe a story about somebody and how they inspired you i really um the next closest person um two people I want to. I want to. I definitely want to uh, shout out two. Uh, I'm not because I, I will. It, it's more than that, but I'm gonna say two. Um, cool. One, first one, my father. Uh, my father, uh, you know, was a hardworking man. He worked for the union um, with Chrysler. You know, was a utility man. You know, retired and just taught hardworking and, and hustling the correct way. You know, um, having selling clothes out his car and you know, really being a man of um dedication to his family and hard work um i had a chance to travel from the time i was born to like 13 to florida every year 
you know, him, my mom, and my other brother. And that helped me expand my horizon. Um, you know, a young young man from St. Louis, you know, able to see more than, you know, palm trees and sand and beaches and alligators. And I don't like, I don't like alligators, but they good. They, they, they nice to look at, but they not nice to be close by. You know what I'm saying? So, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, so really just I, I got a lot of his ways and a lot of his um, symbolisms. And unfortunately, he passed away eight years mm. ago. Oh man! You know, from stage four lung cancer, and that was the second most thing that I went through in my life. You know, um, it really took uh, it took half of me. It, it, that was like really one of like that was my twin. So yeah. it that's beautiful. It, it did so much different emotional ways, but one thing it did was two things. It taught me how to find my my manhood sooner. And also, you know, continue to um, fi- uh, find my spirituality, build my own relationship with God versus my mom or my my, my uh, grandmother telling me that. And and unfortunately, so what 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 transpired with that? I'm gonna just show this real fast. Oh, so good. I was in my second year of college at Alabama a and I got back. Um, I came back home. Uh, a week before he passed, I got a chance to meet my oldest brother for the first time. Whoa. Yes. It, it was Craig God. I, it was God sent. It was, so we literally, he literally left and like two days later, my father passed. Oh. So that it went, so that was a joy to pain. So then the week we planned for the funeral and God was really with me. The week after that, I went straight back to school and one of the most unfortunate things happened. My roommate packed his stuff up and left and also took some of my stuff with him. No. Right? Oh. And the crazy thing of it all, the thing that really made the most impact that he took was a watch my father gave me right before he passed. No way, dude. Really? Yep. Oh, uh, did you ever yep. find him? Um, no. Oh. He he was gone out of school, and but I did, you know, place a report, but, you know, they didn't really, yeah. But what that did, at that point, I went from joy, anger, depression, stress, and, like, rage, like, real pure rage that I never felt before. And, and I called my mom and told her the situation and how I was feeling. She gave me the best advice. She told me to get down and pray. Yeah. And I did. And that moment right there, Chris, was the moment I really submitted my life to the Lord. I prayed so hard and I felt something in the inside that I really can't describe. But all I know, it was like a strong internal flame. And yeah. from that point on, I knew I had to, you know, do do my thing pretty much, you know, do my yeah. thing. Share your you gift. Know? Yes. And uh, the, the, the next person is I have to shout out my brother. My, my middle brother Kellen, um, he he he's a great man. He's looked he looked after his younger brother and his mom, you know. And he and he's he work in the restaurant industry. And he's taken off, and he also in the travel traveling agent industry. Industry, and um, he also um, he's also um, homosexual, and and I'm proud of him, and I love him, and and I will have to say, I'm glad he 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 is who he is because. Not to say, you know, how judgmental I would have been if I didn't have, you know, a brother who chose who he, what he loves, but it, it allowed me to be more diverse and understand I prefer somebody to be truly who they are. Yes. And, you know, my brother truly, he's a man. He carries himself like a man. He take care of himself like a man. And, and he's better than a lot of men out here. You know, he had a chance to really... Um, be a celebrity magnet like my mom meeting the Jackson Five back in the day. That's a whole story. I can man. So my my brother met like Taraji P Henson, Rick Fox, um, wow. like a lot of greats. Like I literally can list uh, so many people. So him just being a supporting brother that he always is, making sure my mom and me is okay. Those are just like that that triangle staple of my life. Like, I don't need, you know, I didn't need a celebrity or a role model to look at on the TV. I had them in front of me. Yeah. 
Oh, dude, that is beautiful. What a beautiful tribute to to your brother and to your mom and to your father. And I'm sorry you lost him so quickly. I mean, that's that's crazy. But he's your angel upstairs now, and and I'm sure without without any question, he's super proud of you. And that, that I always believe that that our parents get us to a certain point, and then it's up to us to to take that take it from there. And I lost my mom uh, 11 years ago. I actually had the opportunity to be there by her bedside when she passed away. I got to hold her hand. And my mother and I were not affectionate, not lovey dovey. Um, and to be there with her, and as my wife was with me as well. Um, just a beautiful experience just to kind of say, Hey mom, it's okay to let go. And she actually died of, as well of uh, lung cancer. She had stage four lung cancer. She had her leg amputated. Um, yeah, the last two years of her life were a complete shit show. I mean, it was really sad to watch what's, what was once a strong, powerful woman. Um, you know, I never grew up with my dad, so I never had any male influences. So to grow up with this strong, powerful woman as though she didn't retreat me all that great sometimes. Um, but to be there with her and, and to see her decline, you know, just really reaffirmed in me to really live every moment every day as though it were your last. I mean, there's no guarantee for any of us. We can live until we're 90 years old or we can live until, you know, 24 hours from now. But I want to, I want to ask you about, you know, the, the aspect you seem like a total go-getter, you know, you couldn't read more than three words up until, you know, a certain amount, certain time. And you continue to persevere through that became a motivational speaker, Talk to us about procrastination because I know a lot of people out there watching this are probably inspired by you going, wow, this kid's young and he's already got these things going on for him. What what type of advice would you give to somebody who is procrastinating on their, on their dreams? They're, they're, they're scared to go for their dreams because of what people might say. They're scared to go for their dreams because they might fail. They might make mistakes. Talk to us about where you find that inner resource, that inner energy to be able to go for your dreams and go for your passions, irregardless of what people might say. Okay, it's three things. Uh, I say a three-step process for that, for the, the break of procrastination. <clears throat> first, first, it start with your mentality. Yeah. It start with your mentality. You got to flesh out a lot of past things that was given to us, past things that was told to us. Because you look at the society, the main things that was really taught to us is really meant to misguide us. Let's just be honest. It's meant to misguide us. Yeah. So we have to re relearn a lot of different knowledge. And it and that's frightful. It can be scary, you know. So you have to really know that the uncomfortable is the best way to go. Yeah. Like knowing new things always be coachable and teachable, even within yourself. And don't allow you know anybody to deter you from being great, you know. And two is faith. And and I'm a big faith believer in faith is not just spirituality that's that's the big basis of it but it's not because everybody is not as spiritual as everybody but everybody needs faith faith my definition of faith is believing everything is possible so that is an internal feeling that you gotta know that you have to get through you know you have to break through a lot of barriers some changing different you know different jobs changing different relationships, changing different areas. It's a part of change. Yeah. As the as the earth continues to move around and, and, and rotate, if you just rotate with it, you are going to be left behind. But if, you know, but if you rotate it, you know, two steps ahead and be on top of it, you're on top of your game. Mm -hmm. And number three, going forward, going forward, you know, take the risk, the risk. You know, mm -hmm. and, and with the risk, that's what it is, a risk. You win, like what Pop said on Friday, you win some, you lose some, but you live, you live the final of the day. That yeah. is so true. And the thing about the failures, the the fallbacks, the, the three steps, the, to, to go five steps forward, to go six steps back, those are the greatest blessings. What kind of blessings? Yes, mm -hmm. blessings. Because those are the biggest lessons. The yes. biggest lessons that you will ever learn in your life came from every time that you failed. Because because you tried. Yeah. You did. You did more than the average. You tried, and you have to try to see what's for you and what's not for you. And when it's not for you, sometimes it hurt. Sometimes you lose money. Sometimes you lose time. Sometimes you lose energy. And but it, it's it takes you through a transformation within your life, a life of better, a life of elevation. Um, just a quick fact like a lot of blood, sweat, and tears when you are alone, you know, when you go through a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so many times when you have to like sit back and realize I went through this thing for a reason, and them that reason is 
to to give that answer to the question that you've been praying for, that you've been crying for, that you've been reaching for, that you've been grabbing for, that you've been seeming like it's so far, but sometimes you just gotta stay still and let it happen. One of my friend, one of my famous quotes: "You gotta go through the storm to get through the get through the storm, baby. Yep. You gotta go through the storm to get through the storm. There's no way of going around. There's no way of shaking it. You gotta feel it. You gotta feel the cuts. You gotta feel the bruises. And I can go on for days, brother." Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, are you familiar with David Goggins? No, I'm not. David. Oh Goggins. my. Oh, so you got some homework, brother. David <laughs> Goggins. He wrote a book. Um, I think it's called, you can't kill me. Um, shit. Where is that? Somewhere over here. But anyway, his name is David Goggins. G O G G I N S dude is guy. The guy's crazy. Literally. He was like severely overweight. He was a bug exterminator. He was eating cheeseburgers and milkshakes for breakfast. And just one day he saw this, this, the ad on the television about becoming a, a, a Navy seal it was like, what do I got to do for this? You know, my life is going totally down the drains. He goes, why not? And so long story short, he basically starts pushing himself through all these painful experiences, like basically running a hundred miles in one night in his combat boots, like all these different things. But he just talks about how pain is your friend and how, when you think about it, when you look back on your life, when have we, to your point, when have we learned and grown the most when things were easy or when things were challenging? Of course, when things were challenging. And so we look at it this way. I teach people to have a different perspective perspective about challenge and stuff like that, to look at it with a, a sense of uh, curiosity. Like, what am I supposed to be learning out of this particular situation? Mm-hmm. So often you've seen it in your friends and your family. Like so often we want to run away from those things that are challenging. But like to your point, you know, head into the storm, because once you once you put your head down and you go through that storm on the other side, you can look back at that and go, wow, that was an incredible experience. I don't want to go through it again. But here are the lessons that I learned. And if we learn lessons from those experiences, isn't it a positive thing to have happen? Of course it is. Absolutely. So I sit there and I look at all the challenges, much to the point, I actually have a tattoo on my forearm that says, what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. It says, what doesn't kill me? only makes me stronger. And I put that in 2016 because I, I was telling people all the time, like every day is a new day and what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. So granted, I'm pretty freaking strong. I mean, I, I sometimes, you know, they say God doesn't give you what you can't handle, but sometimes I think, God, man, you got so much faith in me. <laughs> right. Jeez, right. you know, come on, cut, cut, cut me some slack, you know? <laughs> um, but it's through those trials and tribulations. There's a great documentary out there called uh, The Hero's Journey. It's called Finding Joe. And basically the hero's journey is like any, any major movie that we like, the, the person goes through these trials and tribulations and what do they do? They come back a better, stronger person than they want to come help other people. That hero's journey is something that we're all living every single day. And you're an exemplary example of the fact that you've taken, you know, trials and tribulations out of your own life and said, listen, this is going to mean something for me. I'm going to overcome this reading, uh, this reading challenge, if you will, I'm going to sit there, I'm going to go back to school and now I'm going to become a professional speaker and speak in front of, you know, hundreds and thousands of people and send my message out there. You know, we got to look at those, those painful opportunities as something that we grow through that we get to go through because if we learn from our lessons, then that's so much better for the rest of our life. So, um, we got, we got some beautiful people here in the house. We got Jacqueline Rose in the house. She says, when I was nine years old, I lost my father. I'm 65 and never got over his death. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That is crazy. That is crazy. Jacqueline. We got Ellie Nicole in the house. She goes, wow, that's so fast. Talking about how fast your dad went. We got Paul Roscoe White in the house. He goes, good conversation, men. Keep it up. I just met Paul uh, a couple of weeks ago and a tremendous individual. Uh, he's going to be here on the show pretty soon. Um, Ellie Nicole says here that that part of a spiritual awakening. So, so good. And uh, Christopher Kaysen in the house. What's up? He says he has a new book out too. We're going to be talking about that. Oh yeah. We were talking about David Goggins. David Goggins. Um, it's uh, you can't hurt me. And the new one is, um, what does it say? Uh, is never finished. New book of his is called Never Finished. I haven't read that one yet, but David Goggins, man, you're going to love him. I, I studied him before I had back surgery back in 2019 because I wanted to understand pain differently because I knew it was going to be a, a hell of a surgery. And the guy, I'm not, I don't aspire to be like David Goggins, but he definitely illustrates a different way of looking at pain and, and, and finding our best. And that's my next question for you, Kendall, is when you think about doing your best, you know, for me, I had a situation happen probably about seven years ago where I got home from work. And I sat and I was putting my keys in my wallet up on my dresser. And I thought to myself, something happened at work. And I thought, well, I did the best I can. I, I did the best I could. And honestly, for the first time, Kendall, I was like, Chris, was that really your best? 
Or is that something you just said to yourself to kind of get away with it, right? And when you think about it, when you're a kid, Kendall, do your best on your math homework? Yeah. Okay. It's like a get out of jail free card. It's like, okay, as long as I say I did my best, then I then I then I get out of it. And nobody really ever says, okay, what is your best and what is going to be better? We just say, okay, we'll do better next time. Okay, cool. And then you don't have to deal with it anymore. And so I started questioning, like, what is my best? Like, what would my best have been? What is your best? What do you, how do you identify that for yourself? And how do you identify that for people that you coach? Like sitting there when they say, I'm doing the best I can and you call bullshit on it. Like, I don't think you are. How do you have that conversation with somebody? Um, so how I will break down best is really putting your best foot forward every day. Um, even, even for me, I'm, you know, I had, I officially had my company for about a year and a half, um, August, August, uh, 21. So it was a trial and error, error period, you know, trying to find my target audience, trying to find my mission statement, trying to brand myself, be building my business plan, you know, and um, even doing other things like publishing my first book and really every a lot of steps. And what I heard from a lot of successful people and what I also do myself is two people that I can think of hand that definitely said that uh, Stedman. Um, and um, Pinky Cole, the owner of uh, Slutty Vegan. Um, process, I don't know that one. It's, it's, Slutty it's a, Vegan? Uh, yeah, let me shout. Let me shout her out. Uh, so it's a <laughs> vegan restaurant. She have about seven of them, eight of them, and she's just an ultra entrepreneur. You know, she got one in like Chicago, Georgia. It's one open in D.C. So it's really um, and so she's um, she's becoming something just something so powerful, just being an entrepreneur, having a restaurant and just growing and expanding. You know, she she published her first uh, cookbook and I follow her on, on Instagram. She, she, I look her as a, a role model, actually. Uh, Target just bought 10,000 of her books, you know? Wow. So yeah, so people that's great. Slutty so, vegan, I'm gonna have to remember that because I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, vegan. yeah. So what I learned was processes step-by-step processes so when you don't when you want to do your book this is for everybody out here when you want to do your book when you want to do uh, a workshop and i gotta throw this out here uh for everybody uh might not know um i actually created my own workshop that i'm nice. pushing to get out of here um in different directions you know coming very soon it's already done but coming very soon and it was all processes it was all step-by-step processes like piece by piece um, what's that saying? You can't um, eat a, a whole elephant at once, piece by piece. One bite at a time. A, yeah, it's a step by step. I promise you, it's better than taking them giant steps. That, that that one giant step is not worth them four minor steps. I'm telling you, it's it, you're gonna it's gonna cut down some of the the frantic the franticness. It's gonna cut down the the procrastination. It's gonna cut down the stressors. Yeah. You, like basically week by week, just write five different things down that you can do each day. You know, if let me give you an example for a book. OK, Love first it. you want to get a title. Boom, you got that. Then you want to do the uh, the brainstorm of of um, like the five points of how you want to structure your book. You can do that. And that's that's two days. And then you can start writing your first chapter, you know, and then you can start, you know, writing a second chapter. It just it, it take it just step by step and it, I promise you that will that will show you how bad you want it, how dedicated you are, that how dedicated you is about it. And it's best to learn from the grace and learn methods that actually is proven methods to success. I guarantee you, everybody that's successful did not just, you know, um, you know, Bezos and, and Musk, they didn't just have what they have. It right. took processes. It took steps, you know, and then it also takes the right people around you. You know, that's a little, just a little add on the right, certain right people around you, coaches, friends, family that can teach you the game as you teach them the game, yeah. let you know your good, strong suits. And oh my God, this is critical. And I'm, I'm going to shut it down right there and let you, and let you have the floor. Make sure you have friends that's, that is real with you. 
I mean real with you. Constructive yeah. criticism is real. Not, yes. not not afraid to hurt your feelings. And that's what's wrong with the society. We are so soft in that nature. And I can't, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to say this. I cannot stand someone that talks about somebody but not putting effort to their life. Yes. You know, should have, should have, would Hypocrites. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, we're speaking the same language. I'm the same way. You know, people sit there and talk shit about somebody else. The old phrase is like, don't cast stones from a glass house. Yeah, I have I have that problem. And my mother was like one of those people. She found fault with everybody else. She'd be all prejudicey and judgmental. And she's like, I'm like, shut up, man. You're living like 18 cats and four dogs in a, in a 10 by 10 room. Shut up. You know, don't be <laughs> casting stones. Um, yeah, me and my mother had all sorts of interesting conversations. But I love what you just said there, man, because it's so true. I mean, when I think about some of the successes in my life, and I read the book, um, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And one of those, uh, one of the tips in there that really helped me out a lot was the five people you're, you surround yourself with the most, that's the chance of how you're going to be like. And so when I sat there and I thought about it and I started writing out the people, the five people I was around the most, they were a bunch of party animals. And I was like, okay, I'm a party animal. Guess what? I need to find new people. I don't need to kick them to the curb necessarily, but I need to get around people who are smarter than brighter. And that's how I went from being a seventh grade homeless dropout. I mean, I literally dropped out in the seventh grade. I didn't go to school until I was 18 years old, got out of being homeless and everything by the stroke of luck and genius and everything else. And I had a mentor of mine uh, look at me. I was dating his daughter, as a matter of fact. And I had long hair, smoked cigarettes, drank beer. I was 18 years old. I was like, I thought I was a man already. <clears throat> and he said, hey, Chris, have you ever thought about going back to school? And I'm like, are you crazy, dude? Like, I, there's no way I couldn't go back to high school right now. I'm way, I'm, I'm the same age, but mentally I'm so much older than these people. You know, I can't even hang around kids my age. And he's like, no, no, no. There's a thing called a GED. And I'm like, what the hell is a GED? He goes, it's a general equivalency diploma. He goes, people get it when they emancipate from their parents and stuff like that. He goes, you should look into that and you could probably make up school and, and still be right along with the people your age. And I was like, oh yeah, right, dude. You know, I did poorly in school. I couldn't, I had a bad time seeing, I had a bad time hearing. I wasn't very smart. My mom always called me stupid. So I thought I was stupid. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, because I wanted to impress him, I took his faith and his belief in me when I didn't have any of it for myself. I was working telemarketing jobs. I was working construction jobs. I was doing whatever I could to, to keep my head above water. And so I said, shit, I'll try it. And so this is back before cell phones. I had to pick up the phone. I had to punch in the number. I had to get the phone book out and I had to start calling all these schools around me. And it was painful. I was like, hey, do you have a GED program? I'm like, no, we don't. No, we don't. And then ultimately I found this school in Westminster. I live here in Southern California. And so they said, we have a GED program, you know, come on down and, and we'll have you take an assessment test. Long story short, I took the test and I found out that I didn't need to make that much up. You know, it was pretty surprising. I dropped out in the seventh grade. I was getting, uh, I was getting in fights and all sorts of, I was doing drugs in the seventh grade. So I wasn't even hardly going to class and they're like, no, no, it'll probably take you about three months and then you, you can graduate with your GED. And so I actually did it. I had to take, I had to make up three classes. I did. Fortunately, I didn't have to dissect a frog or any of that bullshit, but uh, <laughs> so I made up the classes and I got the, I got the, I got the GED and I went back and I told him, I said, Hey Bill, I got the GED. And he's like, okay, Chris, he goes, what about college? And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, what the fuck does this guy want from me? You know, I just went and I did this. I never thought I was going to go to school. I'm not smart enough to go to school, you know, but because I surrounded myself with people who are brighter and smarter than me, I was like, well, fuck, okay, I'll, I'll go do it. I'll go do it. And so I went to a junior college in Huntington Beach and I was scared shitless, Kendall. I was scared shitless. I walk up there long haired, flick my cigarette out and I walk inside and I just I had no other choice but just to be point blank honest. And I walk in, the lady was looking like a librarian standing there and she goes, can I help you? Like looking at me like, were you going to rob the place? And I said, hi. I said, um, I said, I just recently got my GED and I'd like to come to school here. I said, I have no idea what to do or how this process works. Can you help me? And over two hours, they gave me to a guidance counselor and I wound up having a business administration uh, major. And I signed up for my first class, which was interpersonal communication, which I thought was stupid. I'm like, I already know how to talk. But that class taught me so much about talking and listening and understanding and paraphrasing. It was massively powerful. But my point is the fact that what you said, when you surround yourself with people who are brighter and smarter, they get it. It's pretty incredible what it is that you can, you can, what you can accumulate and, and, and get in your life. And now I've become that mentor for at-risk kids. So now I, I mentor kids that have been in and out of the foster care system, in and out of jail. And I mentor the, the roughest kids here in, in, in Riverside. Actually, I have a lady, her name's Leah Michelle Cash. Um, she had me come speak to her kid, her kids because those kids are one step away from going back into juvenile hall. Mm. And I got to go speak to six of them roughest to kids in the whole of school. And I was just straight up with them. Like, Hey guys, if I can go from being what I was a seventh grade homeless dropout, you know, trying to kill myself twice. Unfortunately, I sucked at it. If I can go from that to having a successful corporate career. And ultimately, by the way, Kendall, I don't know if I told you this, I got a master's degree. 
I wound up going back to school for 12 years, got my master's degree just for the simple fact of nothing else but be able to tell people I was a homeless seventh grade dropout who lived in the station wagon with 18 cats and four dogs with my mom with very psychological disorders. And I got a master's degree the same year I bought my first house. So to your point, yes, yes, yes. I want to shift gears. I want to talk about your book. So I think your book is called I Am Motivation, I Am Success. What inspired you to write it and what is it about? Hey, awesome. Um, let me show it. I'm gonna show it real fast. I don't know. Sure. Let me let me your, your uh, green screen might be real fast. I'm gonna turn it real fast. Okay. Okay. So here it is. I don't know if you can see it. it's been a lot of light. I am motivation, I am success, inspirational coach to unleash your greatness. Awesome. Really? Dude, I'm so proud of you. That's you. I'm I'm still working on my first book. Thank you. Thank you. I get, you know, I get that a lot. <laughs> I get that so much. Mm -hmm. So what inspired me to do this? So it is, it is a book of motivational quotes It's over, over a hundred, over 120 actually. Nice. So I always had words of encouragement. I always catch myself saying something so powerful to me, myself, my family, my friends. So I always wanted to do it, but I never made the time to. I never made the time. So when I got, when I actually got to Georgia, that was that click. So when I, when I became a motivational speaker, I knew, I knew the industry was so saturated. Come on now. Like everybody mm -hmm. say they can speak, but can they speak? So I wanted to have more under my belt. And it, so it came from a time of this lost and confused trying to get my LLC because I'm seeing people with their LLC making money, right? Yeah. And when you think of motivation off of hand, that's not directly money. You know, not knocking it, but that's not directly money. Mm -hmm. But God told me, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about the money. So next thing you know, I had this small, the small notebooks about that fit in your hand like this. Yep. And I wrote a quote. It took me literally like two weeks to do the rough draft. I wrote a quote like the first week I, I went in like 60 quotes. So I was just writing off the top of my dome and from the bottom of my heart, putting it on paper. And it and as I was writing it, it allowed me to, I felt myself getting better and feeling better and doing better. And it was such a surprise because Nobody did not know I was doing it, but my book editor, the person that helped me self-publish it. Oh, nice. And I published it on my birthday, September the 8th, 2021. I It, it was such a surprise. It, it came the same day. I ordered the same day as I went out to eat for my birthday uh, party. My brother flew in town from Chicago. I had some of my younger cousins and my mom and her friend. And right at the end, they would just contemplate, what's in that, what's in that paper? And I, and I, and I just you know, pulled it out and showed them, you know, showed them a book and they were just like, wow. Like, huh? I love it. Yeah, and that's exactly what they did. After, after the what, they clapped. Yeah. <laughs> so it was magnificent for me. Like, I'm still in denial that, like I said, somebody that came, like, that was a really hard time of my life, struggling to read. Like, I, you know, I feel myself, you know, want to have tears dropping now because I was so lost. Yeah. I was so afraid. I was so, and you know, even though I, when I learned how to read, I still struggle with my self identity. And that goes to like, my target audience is teenagers, you know, that struggle with self identity. I know mm -hmm. how I feel to try to find yourself. I know how I feel to be, still be struggling with something. I know how to feel when grieving somebody at a younger age, you know, I lost my father at the age of 20, I'm 29. So, and I learned all of these things through the university of life. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 but I realized it's not a lot of people my age like me telling a story, you know, and I'm a man, I'm a very masculine man, but I'm a also, uh, you know, also got the balance of, fem of, fem of feminine as you should. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to share my emotions. And this is something that I thrive to men, your age, kids, my age. That's why you see unfortunate incidents happen. You know, men killing themselves, men killing their, you know, they significant other spouse, whatever. Heartbreaking. It is a bottled up emotional, I call it masculine uh, mental health, man. You know, it's it's time to break that. 
is is nothing wrong with crying. It's nothing wrong with sharing what's going on with you. It don't make you soft. It make you human. It doesn't make you afraid to go get help or go get a therapist or go get a coach or go get a guidance counselor, whatever. It shows you that you want to be a better person so you can learn how to navigate this thing called life. Love it. Boom. I just dropped one. Boom. Oh, here we go. Mic drop. Here's a microphone. (laughs) There's a mic drop. Boom. Mic drop. Man, dude, I love that. So tell me like, what are three of your like favorite quotes? Like when you think about it, like I don't have any of my own quotes, but I, one of my favorite quotes that is is from Dr. Wayne Dyer is he says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at begin to change. Um, that's one Uh, actually Bill White, the guy that mentored me, that got me to go back to school. The thing he said to me, Kendall, is he said, Christopher, you're only limited by the parameters of your own mind. And I had to sit there and think about it. It's like the Henry Ford quote. If you can't, if you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. So tell us what three of your main quotes are that really you just love to tell people that gets them to kind of like light up and shift their perspective. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it only can be mines. And, you know, I, you know, I, I represent everyone. I love everybody else quotes, but I have to say mines. Um, my three most top ones is also my, is also titled to my three most, um, um, my, signature speeches as well um my 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 first one is uh turn turn your pain into power um that's that's my highlight that's everything i do is is elevation with that um life doesn't get no easier you only get stronger you yeah. know that, that's also one of my strongest and, and the other one that i shared you know not too long ago um actually i'm not going to show it since i already did it's one that's that really i feel like it's straight it's right for the moment it's two l's you can take a loss in a lesson is your choice of which one you choose. Love it. Yeah. It's all about choice. It's all about perspective. I mean, that's the thing that people that people don't accept responsibility and ownership for is the fact that if you're miserable, it's your fault. And I tell people that all the time. That's why I'm the no excuses coach. I'm that straight up guy that will sit there and tell you if you're miserable, you don't like your job. You're not doing anything about it. You're the one that's fucked up. Not me. You know, if you're in a miserable relationship and you're hoping, wishing and praying that someday something's going to change, nothing changes until we change. Right. And you know this from, from your own experience, man, I could talk to you forever. We've been going for 50 minutes. All right. Already. Um, I want to kind of go back to life and, and your perspective on life. You know, we talked about segregation before we talked about your brother being homosexual. I'm one of those crazy fuckers out in the world that loves everybody. I don't care what color you are, what size you are, what sexuality you are, what, what, what God you pray to, as long as you're a good person and you're trying to do good in the world and you accept other people for who they are. That's what, that's what I love. What is your, what is your thoughts on what's going on in the world today? I mean, if you watch the news, which I don't, I don't watch the news or follow politics. If you watch it, you think that we're all after each other, but that we, we haven't made any headway in, 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 uh, in our relationships in our life and stuff like that. But when I go out into the world, Kendall, I see beautiful people all the time. I'm, I'm one of those people that says hi to everybody. My son's six years old. He was, we were walking by some, uh, some Hispanic gentlemen that were, were digging a trench the other day and he just stopped. And he goes, hi, I hope you have a good day. And their, their faces lit up seeing this little white kid, just like, like stopping and giving them the opportunity and like saying, Hey, I care about you as a person. What are your thoughts on what's going on in the world today? Do you think that we're, that we're doing better as a society as a whole? Is there room for improvement? What are, what are some of your thoughts and opinions on that? Because that's my biggest thing, Kendall, is aside from everything that I do here in my home, you know, being a great dad, that's my goal is to make this world a better place so that our kids and our kids' kids inherit a beautiful place that's not all fucked up and, and divisive and finger pointing and blaming and all the other shit you see that's going on in the news. What are some of your thoughts on that? What, what type of uh, recommendations would you have for people who perhaps are kind of in that limited space of their focus? So I, I'm going to start it off with this. It is getting better, but it's a lot more work to do. Yes. Um, you got people like us. I, I can use us two the best two examples right now. You got people like us, two totally different people, you know, two totally different backgrounds, two totally different races. But we have the same mentality. We have the same drive. We have the same willpower. You know, we have the same soul. And so it takes for us people like us, you know, to have more tables like this, you know, it take a Jewish person in a, in a Asian person and a Hispanic person to just, you know, you know, it takes more, it's going to take more than just us worrying about our own race. You know, right. uh, of course I'm, I'm, of course I'm for my African-American people, of course, but yes. I'm also for the, what Dr. Martin Luther King died for. He didn't die because he said he wanted black people to be on top. He said he wanted 
everybody to everybody. be equal. He want to be placed like that. So if 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 you are on you are engineer and I engineer and we the same engineer level one, we need to be paid the same. That's basically what he was saying. Mm-hmm. So we have to build a more structure of speaking out and living out, living out and uniting, living out and combined. And when I say one of my ultimate goals, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna make this happen. One of my 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 number one ultimate goal is to impact one billion teenagers around the world. Hell and, yeah, and brother! So, and let, let's break this down. Let's break this these numbers down a little bit. So, say each one of the one billion teenagers that I impact impact only eight only eight people. That's all eight billion people around the world impacted. That's my and that's my knowledge. That's my knowledge. And I'm going to make that happen. You know, I have the willpower. It's nothing stopping me but me. I'm going to make that happen. And I know I can't do it alone. You know, and so, you know, when I when I come to uh, SoCal, South Cal. Count me in. Count me in. I'm coming. I love Cali. I love West Coast, by the way. <laughs> uh, you know, it's really just take the, the, the unity. You know, they take more empowerment videos and more empowerment uh, collaborations, not just is in, you know, people like Tony Robbins and Les Brown, they're getting older. So it's yeah. more people. It's time for us to come up and not just be so divided, but come as entrepreneurs, the same like mindedness come together as one for a real power, power, like a powerhouse, powerhouse, you oh, know, yeah. people that have their own stories, but bring bring their tribe and their fans and their audience and i bring my tribe fans audience you bring your tribe fans and audience and look that's 300 people right there you know what i'm saying that's what it takes it takes the 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 clarification of what needs to be done and and also speaking about the corruption of the world and what it did to our mentality. Like mm-hmm. we cannot be afraid to, you know, sometimes we got to tell our parents like, Hey, like y'all was raised this type of way. And you know, it was y'all and, and nothing wrong by that. And we grateful for that, but this is the new day and age and mm-hmm. it's, it's a new type of way, you know, and I, and I, and I thank my mom for everything she did and, and my father, you know, they, they worked hard and they, and they retired. But, you know, I see what that did and what that done. You know what I'm saying? So we have to go another path and another route to to recreate the legacy that our family started, you know, really make mm-hmm. them proud, really make life worthwhile, you know, and not knocking a job because everybody needs to work. Everybody need employers, but never be afraid to if you got that book, if you got that movie. If you got that theme, if you got that clothing brand, if you got whatever creation, because we are created to be creators. Yes. If you got that creation inside of you, do it. And do it now because it's something that you said that I also live by. And I'm glad I'm speaking. Tomorrow is not promise. I lost. And I, and I want to end this with this one. The year that I graduated, it was a young lady. Her name is Anaya Cook. She went to sleep in every class, but she was the smartest in every class. She passed everything and she had everything going for her. The summer, the the next school year that I went to school, she didn't. Unfortunately, she was in she was in the car with one her boyfriend and she oh. was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh no. You know, long, long live Anaya Cook. So and 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 I have, you know, 20. 30 other stories from the time 2021 20 I'm sorry 2012 to 2023 you know losing left and right freak accidents overdoses suicide so that is something that I also live by I also was un, un, like at the age of 13 I went to a party and it was a drive by shooting and the young man that died the young man died 5 feet away from me no way. I'm I yes, I'm a youth gun gun violence victim and survivor. Wow. You know, so 13. I am so what and I, I was 13. So what these children is seeing now, I'm here to make a stand for that and speak on that. And it's it's people that's speaking on that, but I'm here to play my part. I can't wait for nobody else to play my part. 
you know, I got to do what I have to do and I know best and I know what God created me for. You know, all my struggles, that's why I'm Mr. Overcomer. Every mountain I come across, I get over and I also show people the path across the mountain. It's time to step up. Dude, dude, uh, count me in on whatever you're doing. I, 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 count me in. Let's let's go out there and impact the teens, impact the world. Let's change the conversation people are having, man. It's been such a pleasure to have you here. Where can people get a hold of you to continue the conversation with you, man? Absolutely. So my website is time to step up.com. You know, connect with me, collab with me. Let's be great together. And also Instagram at Mr. Overcomer, you know, uh, just follow me and let's chit chat. Let's see how we can work this thing out to call life. And I'm, I'm here. I help build work ethics in our society personally and professionally by turning pain into power. Dude, Kendall, I appreciate you so much for, for coming on the show. Again, it's time to step up.com and Mr. Overcomer at Instagram. Man, I thank you. I thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. We definitely got to stay in touch um, together so we can you know, make a change in this world because the world needs it right now and it's time for us to step up. Um, and I just love, love your message and just think the world of you already. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you backstage here for a second. I'm going to close out the show. Don't go anywhere because I still want to have a couple of words with you. But thank you again for being on the show, man. Bye, people. Bye, family. Bam. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Holy shit. What an amazing individual. I was so excited to have him on the show. We had a brief communication after we were on the telethon that we were both speaking at for Hurricane Ian victims. And I was just immediately impressed by his demeanor, by his passion, by his clarity and his message of what it is that he truly wanted to do. Um, Fanzi, I, I thank you so much for being here and, and, and sharing your love. Um, she says here, it's time to step up. Um, just all just, yeah. Awesome. Loved it. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, we had so many brilliant people we had, uh, Tara Murney, my sister from another mister in the house. She says, amen, Christopher. Um, uh, Fonzie says here, uh, he used to hold on to my leg with fear. I understand now. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, Fonzie says here, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, big thumbs up, Christopher. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, yeah, Tara says here, a great role model. Absolutely. And mom says here, you are so powerful, Kendall. I want to make sure you saw that one, brother. And uh, uh, Tara says here, David had mastered his inner domain, and I believe he's figured out how to master his reward system. Yes, yes, yes. So true. Uh, we got Christopher in the house. Thank you. We got Ellie Nicole in the house. She says that part of spiritual awakening. So, so good. Thank you for being here. We got Ellie Lawton in the house from England. She says, morning, guys. Hello, Ellie. Hope you're doing well. Hope you got some sleep last night and you're feeling better. Just so many beautiful, amazing people out here. We got Debbie in the house. I was just on Debbie's show last week. She's been on my show. Shout out to Mama. Yes, absolutely. Debbie's a, a, an amazing individual as well. So connect with De Debbie. And I just want to just reiterate the conversation tonight, guys. You're in control of the things that you're doing. You're in control of the things that you're thinking and you're in control of the people you're surrounding yourself with. So if you're unhappy in anywhere of your, any spot of your life, ask yourself, when am I going to have the point where I'm fed up with everything? Have I reached that point? When do I anticipate reaching the point of being fed up? And then most importantly, what are my three actions that I'm going to take? If you're in a relationship that you know is not going to go anywhere and you're staying in it because you're scared of venturing it on your own, listen, that fear is never going to go away. But what's going to go away is the time. And you're going to lose that time. And what's going to happen is you're going to get older in life and you're going to have these things called regrets. And you're going to look back in your life like, wow, did I really waste 13 years of my life, 20 years of my life, 10 years of my life in a relationship that I knew wasn't going to work when I could have went out there and found the relationship that was supposed to be for me? Are you going to regret all the chances and the risks that you didn't take because you were afraid of making a mistake or what people would think of you? Most likely those people are not even paying attention to anything that you're doing because they're, own li they're living in their own fear and their own pain and their own misery. You know, people want to keep other people down because they don't want to be reminded that it could be done. So you got to surround yourself with the right people. Like I told, we were talking about Kendall earlier, you surround yourself with the right people. You have the right mentors in your life, the right input in your life. And you take those action steps progressively. That compound interest on your confidence is massive. Think of where you could be in six months. I just did this exercise with one of my new coaching clients. I had to write out everything that she's tolerating, what she's tolerating from herself, what she's tolerating from other people and what she's tolerating from inanimate objects. And she came back to me and she had a bunch of things. She goes, wow, Chris, I didn't realize how much I was tolerating. Oh my God. And I asked her a simple question. I said, can you imagine, let me tell me what you would feel like if you no longer tolerated one third of those things. One third, what would you, oh my God, Chris, I'd have so much time and I'd have, I wouldn't have to deal with this and I wouldn't have to deal with this. And I said, so who's in charge of making the response? Who's in charge of making the, the choices to end a third of those tolerations? Who? And she's like, me. And I said, so what's stopping you? Fear, 
I fear what? And we just kept talking about it, talking about it. And ultimately I said, oh, you can do it. I said, or you can wait for someday. I said, I don't know where someday is on a calendar, but if you wait until someday, chances are you're going to have those regrets. And life is about living right now. Life isn't about existing, ladies and gentlemen. It's about taking those risks and taking those chances and, 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 and going into your fears because that's where you learn and grow the most. You don't learn and grow the most when everything is easy, but yet we want everything easy. We want everything to be comfortable. Our body is wired to be safe and certain, but guess what? Life is out there waiting for you to go take that next, next chance to conquer that fear, to end the cycle of insanity of whatever addictions and things that you're doing to avoid the problems in your life, shopping, you know, sex, drugs, alcohol, movies, whatever it is that you go to, to ignore your life. You need to stop doing that. And you need to run headfirst into your life and get the right people around you. Cause I promise you, it will not be easy. It will not be easy, but on the other side of everything, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. I love you guys. I appreciate you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. Do me a solid, do Kendall a solid, share this out on your social media, share it out and say, Hey, listen, I just watched this amazing conversation with these two individuals and I learned these things. Please give this a watch. Please give this a watch because your social currency can make the difference in somebody's life. I just had somebody share a show a couple of weeks ago and somebody watched it who was like nearly on wanted to kill themselves. And they saw a few things that I said and they decided that they didn't want to do that, that they were not going to do that to their friends and their family, that they were going to have a new lease on life. So I feel honored that somebody shared this program out and it was able to save a life. I'm not saying that you could save a life necessarily. You might be able to, but we can change the world. And together, what Kendall and I were talking about tonight, we can all start to put down that animosity and that fear and that judgment of court to everybody else who doesn't agree with us. It's good that people don't agree with us. It's good that we have healthy debates and conversations. It's not good when we sit there and get in our silos and go, those people, those people, those people. No, we're all people. Remember what I said at the top of the show? Humanity. We're all part of humanity. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what size you are. I don't care what political affiliation you are. I donated blood on Sunday. I'm type A negative. I'm going to save a life. I know that the, the, the blood supply here in Southern California is apparently drastically short because I kept getting text messages. So I know I can save a life. Together, we can raise the bar on what we leave for our children in this world. And I just implore you, be the change that you bitch about. Be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. Get around the right people. If there's anything I could personally do as your coach, please let me know. I love you guys. Again, we're going to be starting the mastermind in April. So if you're interested in getting a part of that, send me an email, send me a message, send me a smoke signal. Appreciate that. Tara says, great show, fellas. Thank you, Miss Tara, for being here. You guys are beautiful. We'll be back here next week. Oh, yeah. You guys wanted to know who's going to be up next. Um, so let's see who is up next on the Ron and Scripted Show for next week. We have, da, 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 da. oh, wow. Oh, by the way, don't forget, um, tomorrow at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we have a special edition of the Ron and Scripted Show, Men's Mental Health. I have, a, I have three other gentlemen that are going to be joining me, and uh, Kendall and I were kind of talking about this. We're going to be doing a mental health roundtable where four of us masculine men's masculine men's masculine men are going to be very vulnerable and talking about our mental health challenges because we want to inspire other men who are out there, who are out there silently suffering in quiet desperation to, to grow a pair and to start taking action on their life. So we're going to be doing it tomorrow at three o'clock Pacific standard time. So we're going to be doing that. And then um, next week we have Randy spelling. You guys might know his sister, Tori Spelling. You might know his dad, um, Aaron Spelling from, you know, all the famous television shows, 90210. So I'm going to have Randy Spelling here on the show next week. He's a beautiful soul. I met him through another uh, opportunity and uh, just a great guy. So we're going to be coming on here talking about mindset. So Randy Spelling is going to be here next week. If you have an idea for a show, you have somebody that you think that would be a great guest on the show, please let me know. That's all I'm getting all my guests right now is basically meeting them and they're wanting to be on the show. So thank you guys for being here. I appreciate you. Go have a beautiful evening. Go have a beautiful week. Go be kick-ass unstoppable. I love you guys. No excuses. Peace. <laughs>